Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, December 18th, 2018. And I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our next two Starseed Quests to Arkansas are March 15th through the 18th for the Spring Equinox Athena's Birthday Gathering, and then on May 17th to the 20th for the Pleiadian Lineup Gathering. This is a soul group reunion, and all Starseeds with at least one star marking at galactic degree are welcome. Please write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info. We have a very special guest for you tonight, and to continue our tradition of recent years, we're happy to have Gloria Amendola back with us for our Christmas show. Gloria is an author and intuitive with a passion for esoteric knowledge, the hidden history of the divine feminine, and the great mother goddess and the dream time. She has facilitated nearly 300 Magdalene circles in the U.S., France, England, Scotland, and Wales. And Gloria teaches the Holy Grail mysteries and their connection to the secret destiny of America. She's written several books, including her popular trilogy, Mary Magdalene, Revelations from a First Century Avatar. Gloria's travels bring her to sacred sites worldwide to experience powerful landscape temples firsthand. She is a Templar in the OSMTH order. Her commandery is in Rennes-le-Chateau, France, and dedicated to Mary Madeleine. She follows the footsteps of the Judean refugees, the Druids, Essenes, and Knights Templar, gathering impressions from the traces they left behind. Glory has learned, where they walked, so too walked the Ancient Ones. Initiates of the mysteries have gathered in sacred sites for reasons we're just beginning to understand. They left us an extraordinary legacy, one that could be decoded when the time is right. And that time is finally here, and fascinating revelations are at hand. You can visit her website, which is gloria-amendola.com. And Amendola is spelled A-M-E-N-D-O-L-A. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you choose to have those notifications. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And if you have a birthday coming up, 
you don't want to miss that on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it three or four months ahead of your birthday to make sure you get it before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So uh, first up this evening, it is Anastasia with her remarkable, fascinating Starseed News. <laughs> good evening, Ariel. Good evening, everybody. Hello. Great. Hello there. It's so good to hear your voice. So good to be back with you. Well, the solar minimum is deepening. Gosh, the solar cycle is at a low ebb, according to spaceweather.com. Today marks the 208th day in 2018 that the sun has been without spots, doubling the number of spotless days in 2017. Now, the count won't be able to double again in 2019 because there aren't enough days in the year. Nevertheless, they say we can expect a further deepening of solar minimum in the year ahead with literally hundreds of spotless days to come. Stay alert for extra cosmic rays, long-lasting holes in the sun's atmosphere, and strangely pink auroras. Now, we have something else going on up in the sky. When NASA's New Horizons spacecraft flew past Pluto three years ago, mission scientists watching the first close-up images were shocked. Despite being stuck in the deep freeze of the solar system six billion kilometers from the sun, Pluto was not the frozen, stiff world many expected it to be. The geography of the dethroned ninth planet was alive with mountain ranges, windswept dunes, bladed terrain, and much more. In one quick flyby, New Horizons turned planetary science on its head. And they say now get ready to be shocked all over again. New Horizons is less than two weeks away from a new world, even more mysterious than Pluto. Its name is Ultima Thule, otherwise known as 2014 MU69. And Ultima Thule means beyond the borders of the known world. Indeed, this little space rock is profoundly unknown. Located almost a billion kilometers further from the sun than Pluto. Think about that. Ultima Thule has never been much more than a faint speck of light in telescopes. It inhabits the distant Kuiper belt where seemingly almost anything is possible. According to a principal investigator of the Southwest Southwest Research Institute, he says, really we have no idea what to expect. Will it have an atmosphere? Will it have rings? Will it have moons? Any of that could be possible. And soon we'll have the answers. On New Year's Day and New Year's Eve before that, New Horizons will swoop three times closer to Ultima Thule than it flew past Pluto in July of 2015, shattering previous records for the most distant body explored by a human spacecraft. Wow. Wow. And NASA's first flight to the moon was Apollo 8, and it's now marking its 50th anniversary. Fifty years ago on Christmas Eve, a tumultuous year of assassinations, riots, and war drew to a close in heroic and hopeful fashion with the first three Apollo 8 astronauts reading from the book of Genesis on live TV as they orbited the moon. The astronauts were 
Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders. That 1968 mission is considered to be NASA's most daring, and due to its early stage uh, investigation, its most dangerous undertaking. That first voyage by humans to another world set the stage for the still grander Apollo 11 moon landing that occurred only seven months later. They tell us that there was unprecedented risk to putting three men atop an enormous new rocket for the first time and sending them all the way to the moon. The mission was whipped together in just four months in order to reach the moon by year's end before the Soviet Union. Those of us who are old enough remember the Cold War and remember the space race as it was in those days. And then uh, what came out of this, uh, this mission was the now epic photo named Earthrise. Can you all see it in your mind's eye? It's the photograph mm-hmm. that yep. shows our home planet as a glorious blue and white marble in the sky, yes, rising above the gray and lifeless lunar landscape, which was 240,000 miles distant. Now, before this flight, no one had thought about photographing Earth. The astronauts were instructed to get pictures for future lunar landing sites while orbiting 70 miles above the moon's surface. One of the astronauts said, We we came to explore the moon, and what we discovered was the Earth. His Earthrise photo is a pillar of today's environmental movement. It remains a legacy of Apollo and humanity's achievement, which reveals the truth that there are no political borders as seen from space. Just think about that. If only we could begin right now, this moment, to get the world to think about that. To stop fighting over land and territory and dominion and political ideologies and racial discriminations and every other thing that separates separates humanity one person from another. This man wondered, this is not a very big place. Why can't we get along? Why aren't we asking that question anymore? So let's all just make a commitment before this year's end that we pull up that that, uh, Earthrise photograph and ask ourselves those questions and encourage other people to do that. I would love that to go viral. It's time that we reconsider that very poignant and accurate question, why can we not get along? And another astronaut was awed by the fact he could hide all of the Earth behind his thumb. He said, over 3 billion people at that time, by the way, almost double by now. He said, over 3 billion people, mountains, oceans, deserts, everything I ever knew was behind my thumb. Wow. Now, you know, just considering that just leaves me silent. That is so incredibly powerful. And, you know, so typical of human ego, we get a moment of profundity and we just march forward. We don't take a pause. We don't consider. It's just on to the next thing, lurching forward. That's what we do, and that's why we never grow. So at this time, in this epic time in Earth's history, let's... Uh, tap into some wisdom and consider our position. Now, closer to home, let's talk about what's going on. Today, 2018, December 18th, the uh, Turrialba volcano is erupting in Costa Rica. Last week, this volcano experienced an important eruption. Ash blew to up to uh, 500 meters above the crater during this event, causing a delay in some flights at the San Jose airport, which would happen the first time for the first time this year. Another volcano going up. 
more ash in the atmosphere, more temperature alterations across the planet. And we're talking about birds tonight. This time it's about a South American hawk in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is a bird that does not migrate, but has shown up in Maine, all the way from South America. It's a very rare raptor. He originates from Central and South America, and he's just come from out of the blue. This type of hawk is called the Great Black Hawk. It's gorgeous. Google that. Take a take a gander at the picture of this beautiful bird. It's never been reported anywhere in the United States before this year, let alone 2,000 miles away from its natural environment. This was a young raptor, first showed up in Texas back in April, reappeared in August in Biddeford, Maine, and then turned up late November in Portland, Maine. It's a very large, extremely off-course raptor that's attracted, uh, attracted crowds in the thousands who have come with hopes to catch a view of this very rare bird that should not even be present here in North America. Ah. And seabird populations have dropped 70% across the planet as the fishing industry competes with the birds for food. The world seabirds are being pushed to the brink of extinction by the fishing industry, which is competing with them for food, according to a new study that's issuing a warning. Populations of seabirds have dropped by 70% since the middle of the 20th century. 70 years. 70% in 70 years. They say this is partly due to habitat destruction and pollution, but the new research led by the University of Aberdeen has revealed that pressure from fishing has played a major role in this decline of the seabirds. Sometimes I'll go into the market and I'll look at the heaps and piles of fish and food, fish and animal flesh of all kinds, and you just have to wonder, you know, all of that doesn't get eaten. It probably gets destroyed. We need a better food delivery and management system. Instead of a system just based on what you can haul in, you get paid for. That's my feeling. Well, do you live along the New Madrid Fault? Did you feel a little weird about Thursday or so? Last midweek, they had a 4.4 magnitude earthquake that struck parts of Tennessee Georgia and the Carolinas, and seismographs also recorded a secondary shock in that area. The New Madrid. It's been a while since that gave a groan. The USGS traced the earthquake to Decatur, Tennessee, but it was felt in neighboring states as well. The convulsion occurred along the New Madrid seismic zone, which is along the Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi state lines. And in Melbourne, Australia, they have had flash floods that have caused havoc for some in Melbourne on Saturday, which, by the way, was Friday in the United States. There's been flash flooding, or there was, turned backyards and suburban streets and ponds into gushing rivers. Residents claim that this has never happened like this before, never saw it before. And parts of Victoria in Australia were hit with a month's worth of rain in a day as a cyclone made its way northward. Seventeen people were rescued by helicopter, and 100 were stranded in their cars in northeast Victoria. 
More than a month's worth of rain fell across the parts of the northeast in one day. People had to be rescued from the roofs of their cars. Hundreds and hundreds of people were stranded. In Texas, it's had more rainfall this fall than in recorded history. Texas had more rainfall this autumn, which dates the recorded history dates back to 1895. Never been anything like this. And they tell us that the tropical weather disturbances are not the basis for that data. They said that a total of seven over 15 inches average statewide, more than double the normal for the season that runs from September to November, the end of November. Now, Dallas-Fort Worth measured about 29 inches of rain. And there was a magnitude 5.6 quake that struck off the coast of Western Australia. There was no threat of a tsunami. But at the same time, in the, uh, around the same day, there was a 6.1 magnitude earthquake that hit Papua New Guinea in uh, eastern Indonesia. Uh, no tsunami was warning was issued for that either. And also in Indonesia, around the same period of time, uh, a volcano erupted that sent ash 7,500 meters into the sky. It was Mount Sudapan. It erupted just hours before that 6.1 magnitude quake I just told you about. It sent uh, columns of smoke. It's located on the northern part of Sulawesi Island, and uh, the locals are being urged to wear masks because of ash and to stay clear of the mountain in anticipation of lava sliding down the slopes. And back to seabirds. Dozens of dead seabirds have washed ashore in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Now the city is trying to figure out what's causing that problem. It sent samples of each species to a lab in Georgia for a full investigation. No one knows why the birds died or what happened to them. They're looking into it. And have we had snow in North America? Up to 98 inches of snow in the last seven days on this continent. And Mount Baker in Washington State, in the northwest corner of the United States, holds the record for the most snowfall in the world in a single season, as well as the average biggest snowfall every season. Well, they have had 98 inches in the last seven days, and they are expected to get over three feet more by Thursday. Holy. Day after tomorrow. Wow. I mean, remember just a year ago, everybody was groaning about not having any snow snowpack they're getting their snowpack now. Wow. Well, a volcano has also erupted on Kuchinaburu Island in Japan. Uh, Japan's Meteorological Society says a volcano erupted explosively on this island in the southwestern prefecture of uh, Kagoshima today. A column of volcanic ash rose 2,000 meters into the air. Large rocks blew from the crater. A pyroclastic flow reached a distance of about one kilometer down one of the slopes. It's the first such flow to be observed since May of 2015, and at that time all residents were evacuated. They may be evacuated yet. There just happened. We don't know what's next. Mexico's uh, Papatacatlpetl. <laughs> I know I didn't say that right. <laughs> that <laughs> volcano roars to life with two spectacular eruptions. It lit up the sky with a large flash from an eruption just Saturday night. Uh, it lit up the night sky, and on Sunday morning there was another eruption, and then another eruption after that. So 
the the earth is it needs some love. It really needs love. And it needs consciousness. It needs our consciousness. I really think we really need to make the effort, the genuine, deep, even sacrificial effort to live in harmony and in balance with the earth and tune our consciousness to other creatures and to each other. Everything is crying out for it. Do you think we all might be able to turn the tide? Do you think we can use our inner light our true identities, to create a shift in this world? Can we do it out of love for each other, out of love for all of the beautiful beings on this planet, for the love of all of life and creation? The love of others, the love that extends beyond the love of me, the love of my interests, the love of myself, the love of my specialness, That is the love it's going to take to turn it around. And it's the kind of love that each one of us has inside of us. I ask that at this time we call upon it. We call upon our internal, pure, loving, humble, expansive power to do good in this world and to listen to the planet and to help her through this change and to become contributors instead of wreckers and to inspire that change in others. And you know, no matter what happens, love is never wasted. And everything that you can do to alleviate suffering, to show tenderness, to show caring, to show consciousness, to show respect, it lightens up this world by magnitudes. And the universe responds, and the planet will respond. And all of the creatures, beings, entities with consciousness on this planet, from the rocks to the moon and the stars, will respond. So let it be so. And from my heart to each one of you, much love. Have a beautiful two weeks, a beautiful holiday. And let us all move forward together to have a transformative and loving new year. Thanks so much for having me with you. I so appreciate this opportunity. We'll we'll, we'll meet again so in a couple, three weeks, right, Ariel? <laughs> right, yeah, we're, we'll be off Christmas Eve and, I mean, Christmas and New Year's, and then we'll be back the Tuesday after um, New Year's. So I'll see you in a year. So. <laughs> yeah, right. See you next year. But thank you so much, Anastasia. That was a beautiful um, holiday, end of the year message. Words, good words to ponder. Thank you so much. So, um, thanks for the starseed news. And we have um, Gloria and Lavendar standing by. So, Anastasia, have the best Christmas ever. And much love until next year. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Good night. Okay, so now I'm going to get um, Lavendar's mic open as well as Gloria's. Hang on a sec. Let me just get that button clicked. All right. 
We are ready to go. Hello, Gloria. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Ariel. How are you? Oh, I'm great, and we're just so thrilled that you are coming back again. I was like, I think this is the fifth year that you've um, done our Christmas show. It seems so appropriate. Oh, my God. Has it been? Wow. Time is flying. Yeah, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, this is the fifth. <laughs> fifth <laughs> I know. Time is, is really speeding up, and, and thankfully, you know, uh, we're not aging. <laughs> we're just witnessing that. <laughs> So, Lavender, are you ready to go? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay. Take it away. Okay, Gloria. Um, thank you so much for being our guest for our Christmas show. And like she said, <clears throat> we we always love having you at this time because your message is so strong and powerful. And I've noticed yeah. that in, the, in the things that you sent me that you've been traveling a lot and that you've been really on the go. So what is it you'd like to first start with? Would you like to start with your trip to France or your trip to Scotland? It's your choice. You know, I think if you don't mind, Lavendar, I think I'm going to set the stage. I may not, I may have forgotten to do this, but I'm just going to set the stage very briefly with earlier this year in the spring and what was seen in Um, and what was channeled in Washington, D.C., and how that led to the prophecy of woman in France. Okay, great. Okay, that's great. Go ahead. Okay. So as I'm sure many of your listeners know, there's a lot of esoteric secrets that are encoded in plain sight in Washington, D.C., and in parts of Alexandria and other parts of Virginia. It's it's just fascinating stuff. So I was down there with a small group, um, and we were looking at, in particular, we were focusing on George Washington because he's been coming in to me for a few years now, and I've been channeling him, and I'm finding that the information that he has shared Um, has held up now over the last few years. And so with a degree of accuracy, I can feel more confident sharing some of what he said to us as we moved from, well, we did go to the Jefferson Memorial. We did do sound work on the earth there in in the middle of the day. It was really a lot of fun with a lot of different people just doing their own thing and enjoying the vibes and so forth. And then we made our way to the Washington Monument which our founders made sure that they placed, um, and and the subsequent generations, because it really, the Washington Monument took a long time to really complete. And some of the alignments with shadow uh, and the phallic symbol of the Washington Monument and the oval shape of the ellipse or President's Park, as it's known, which is right near the White House, all very, very strategically placed, and the light phenomenon that happens around certain equinoxes or solstices showed what we then found in France in a much deeper way. And so, um, the and some of this information comes from uh, authors Alan Butler and uh, Janet Walter. They showed that at certain times, those who placed that monument there, the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C., had this interplay of shadow um, with the sun, and it has to be a somewhat sunny day to see it, of the masculine and the feminine, the male and the female piercing 
um, the male phallic, the Washington Monument, which is an obelisk, piercing the oval of the Ellipse Park and creating that union, that fertility. Um, we understand that symbolism. And so when we went this year, I found that the Masons were much more eager to reveal certain things, perhaps because they're getting such a bad rap. Um, but Freemasonry at its core is really about many pathways to the one. And when you get deeper into Freemasonry, it really is about a reverence for the feminine and the goddess. So when we went to um, Mount Vernon in Northern Virginia to uh, uh, roam around the estate once again and look deeper for details. Here's an experience that I had, and I like to share this with your with you and, and Ariel and the listeners because it really brings it home. We were waiting in line to go into Mount Vernon, and it was it was a cold day, and uh, it was chilly, and I was telling a few of the ladies that. There is a picture of Mother Mary as we walk in, and I'd like to get a quick um, photograph of it for my records. So give me a little cover because I'm not sure I'm actually supposed to take a, a photo in that room, but I, but I need to catalog this. So I, I do take a picture. I do get caught by um, a cantankerous old <laughs> Uh, tour guide, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but I really just was amazed at one of the main uh, images you would see would be a fine art painting of Mother Mary in this great room that George Washington um, entertained uh, visitors from all over the world. He was um, he was definitely into dancing. It was it was an important addition to the home, the estate of Mount Vernon, which is a spectacular. Um, place. The land is very, very special. So I do that, and we're walking through this great room, and unbeknownst to me, there's another tour guide, and I guess she was listening to me. So I was telling a few of the ladies, you know, I think I think I got an okay picture. I just want to be able to have proof of, of what's really here in this room. Um, and so getting the picture of Mother Mary. Now, for your listeners, you know, most of the time, I believe a lot of the paintings are of Mary Magdalene, but I thought, okay, well, that can't be. It must be Mother Mary. So I was telling them, you know, I, I think I got an okay picture and of Mother Mary, and a, a younger tour guide, a woman walked over to me and said, oh, no, that's not Mother Mary. That's Mary Magdalene. Wow. So what happened so then? So it just... I said to myself, wow, now what did Washington really know that he would have a portrait or a painting the, when you walk in one of the, the front doors there of Mary Magdalene? Where does that come from? What is, is there a statement there? What's up with that? What does that mean? So, again, as, as your listeners may or may not remember from 2016 when I tapped into George Washington and began to channel him on the grounds of Mount Vernon, away from the glare of people and um, you know the tours going on, just quietly in near the Potomac River. Uh, he had said that our democracy was in peril a couple of years ago, and that there was great resistance behind the scenes for a woman to come to power in this country. So that reflected our 2016 political process. So this time. 
April 2018, he came through at the exact same amount of time channeling, which is odd. And he said that our our democracy was still, uh, and our government was, was, there was still something that was going on behind the scenes that was a, um, we were, we were still very unsteady on the verge of collapse. But then what he said absolutely floored me. He said that he understood the goddess as they did in their time. They had to be very secretive about what they knew, but they actually worked with the great goddess. This is Washington coming through in this channeling to um, help them with what was before them and what they had to accomplish in the founding of our country. And I thought it was kind of hard to believe, but in subsequent journeys and research, I have found that that understanding of the goddess goes way back to a tradition, and it did include George Washington. This is fascinating stuff. It really, really is. I mean, you stick with it. It's been 18 years for me to be on this path. And, you know, at this point now, I'm finding that the pieces that are coming in are really the keystone pieces that are putting so much of it together. So, again, I had said at the beginning that we started at the Jefferson Memorial. And Thomas Jefferson is yet another founder that I've channeled. And he's been very accurate, too, telling me things like, the Lewis and Clark expedition was not what we thought it was. It had an exoteric or official purpose, but then it had an esoteric or a secret purpose. And I thought, wow, that really feels right to me. And I feel like they were looking for bloodline descendants that were um, somehow embedded in the native, certain native American tribes and so forth. And, Jefferson, uh, when we finished up at the House of the Temple back in Washington, D.C., that was the last stop of our journey, of our of our tour in D.C., really a journey. And we had gone through the, the House of the Temple, which is um, the home of Scottish Rite Freemasonry. It's a fantastic building, has lots of Egyptian stuff in it. And they were very forthcoming and very open. It was um, more so than ever, and it was really refreshing. So when we were closing on the very front of the house of the temple, we found some benches to the side, and Jefferson started to talk about this uh, prophecy of woman and that more would be revealed in France. And he has said, uh, you know, who to look out for to where darker energies are moving through to still repress women at this time when she is supposed to rise in all her might. Don't you think that the women are starting to rise up all over the world in the last couple of years? We have a whole different goddess movement seems to be happening. I think so, and I think if we take a snapshot of what just happened in the States, um, I believe that a tremendous amount of women of all stripes and colors, you know, real diverse uh, women, you know, stood up and decided it was really time for their voices to be heard. So on a very practical level, they ran for offices and they won, and we can only hope that that balance or more of it will help to 
um, take us back to our roots and, and help us find balance in this incredible uh, incredibly imbalanced time that we have, you know, with the patriarchy that is coming to an end. I was listening to Anastasia's news at the end, and I could really relate to what she was saying about, you know, the earth really going through lots and lots of changes and that we had to find a way to let our light and our love really change this world and being kinder to each other. And I do think that women right now hold that more readily and more apparently aren't afraid to to be that than some of the men right now. I think some men are and they will come along, but I think right now it is for the women, certainly in America, to uh, stand up and we can only hope uh, globally because there are still some cultures that are really struggling to uh, repress their women. Yeah, true. So what, what um, was the time frame on this trip to Washington? You say it was in the spring? Yeah, it was the time. It was it was just about the peak of cherry blossoms. Uh, it was mid-April uh, in 2018, and it was just um, – I've been going there um, myself for a while doing research, and I, I love – the city because I see its its code now. It's it's what's encoded in in plain sight by the Masons. The more I learn, the more I appreciate what was really put down in stone. Um, so this time, it just seemed like a lot more pieces came together, and and you see it all around you, and you know that they had a mission. It wasn't completed but they had a mission, and even if they didn't understand it, and even if their world at the time didn't look great because there was slavery, women were still not uh, even able to vote, and, and on, you know, on and on. There were definitely issues that had to be worked through, but the founders really were given an intense mission, and I guess they did the very best they could. Yeah. So did you take a trip to France after that? Yeah, it wasn't until September of 2018. There were a lot of other things going on around here, and there were some visits up in the Catskill area, which, again, is is connected uh, to this story as well, to a goddess uh, temple, we believe, to an, you know ancient indigenous cultures and the Welsh-speaking people. We can get into that later. But so there were there were things to put together in that regard. And then as I prepared... For France and Scotland, I kept hearing from Mary Magdalene when I would when I would go into meditation and silence. She said to me, "You need to go back with fresh eyes. You need to see things you haven't seen before." And she asked me to forego bringing a group, um, and and to you know ask those people uh, you know to come this year. You know, well, not not this year, 2019. And so that was kind of hard to do because I've worked hard to to grow my pilgrimages and journeys abroad, but I complied because it felt right. And one person uh, came with me, somebody who had worked with me for well over a year, and you know it was definitely right to to have her there. And long story short, I did I, I, because I was able to have a little breathing room. You know, tours, tours and and journeys are very busy. I was able to meet up with some local authors in Renle-Ben, and after a three-hour conversation, we decided to meet 
at the Church of Mary Magdalene in Rennes-le-Chateau, and that's where the breakthroughs began to happen. So that was important for you to go by yourself. I mean, go without a Yeah, a, a yeah. I mean, I had a few women coming in later. They were going to do their own thing, and then we were all going to Scotland after that. But this one woman who came with me, you know, that was very manageable, and she had her own things she wanted to do too. And so it worked out. It worked out very well. And because I had the time to roam around a little, you know, those pockets of of just letting the magic happen and find you, um, I had to give up you know, people coming on in my group and it just accept. And, I, and I, I've worked with Magdalene enough to know that I just have implicit trust in when these things, uh, when, when I'm told these and given these directives, I mean, they just keep, you know, they keep bearing fruit. And so I met with this husband and wife team who were uh, guardians of very ancient and secret knowledge. And there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, they have a lot of associations with certain groups that prove their commitment to preserving this knowledge. Uh, and in France, they take this very seriously. You know, they're they're a much older country. They understand. And so when I sat with them for the first three hours in the square in Rennes-les-Bains, it was a wonderful meeting of the minds. And uh, we made some good connection, but I think we were both leery of each other. They didn't have a great opinion of American uh, women being well-researched, I guess, was their experience. I don't know. And I just was uh, I just was cautious. You know, I didn't really know who I was speaking to. I had an idea. So there was, you know, there was cautious sharing of information. When they understood that I was very serious about, you know, really going deeper into the mystery is when they offered to take me up to Rennes-le-Chateau and show me the deeper secrets that were laid out in Mary Magdalene's church. Now, I've been to France 18 times, and I have to tell you what they shared with me was very new for me. I mean, I I had seen a bit and a piece, but what they showed me was absolutely extraordinary. So can you tell us a little bit about what you saw? Yeah, I had sent um, both you and Ariel to see um, a picture of Jesus carved on a pulpit in the Church of Mary Magdalene at Rennes-le-Chateau, where on January 17th, a very esoteric and quoted date, um, the blue apples phenomena is really very small in uh, the church. But what is really amazing is that there is a light phenomenon that takes place and it can be seen on YouTube and the light that moves through now it takes again you have to have the sun reflecting through the windows and so forth but when it moved through it creates over the head of Jesus it creates an onk. Oh, goodness. Wow. And what that says to me, you know, the onk is a symbol of masculine and feminine, so the oval shape of is um, the feminine, the womb, and the, the shaft is, is the penis or the 
wonderful member there. And it's really, and it's, oh, of course, it's also Egyptian because I've always felt that where Magdalene is carrying her green cross in the church, that it's not really the cross of, of Roman torture and crucifixion, but rather the resurrection mysteries that were known to have been practiced in ancient Egypt. That sounds right, absolutely. And so what the church shows on a deeper level, what they were able to show me through discussion, diagram, and us walking again, a church I have spent countless days in, literally, um, that those who were giving the information to uh, Sonier were probably coming through the abbey uh, of Renle-Ben. He was a pretty smart guy, and I, th- I, I think they were funneling it, that people were funneling it through him uh, in, to uh, Abby or Father Saunier. I don't know that Saunier knew. He may have grown to learn these mysteries, but I don't think he started off knowing them. And what is phenomenal, Lavendar, is not just the the way they show the pilgrimage through the church and how it's about balancing the masculine and the feminine and the yonk and the Egyptian um, mysteries of of awakening, of death and resurrection, of, of the old self, the ego self dying, and the new self coming online, that, that more blended, holistic uh, self that has merged the left and the right brain, the masculine and the feminine. Not only do they show that, there are certain alignments, and this is extraordinary. Now, we, we see this all over, but this one really blew my mind. I ha- I'm sorry I don't remember which date it was because so many different alignments happen at the solstices and equinoxes in so many chambers. But there is one that bounces off through the church. And at one of the particular um, either feast days or equinoxes, it moves through the landscape and goes through the center of a standing stone with such precision even to this date that you have to know that the people and the intelligence behind this knowledge, um, they they were, who were they? They had to be starseeds for sure. Don't, I think, I think. Yeah. Can you tell me from your experience and what you know in that regard, because that's a piece I'm still like the the pieces are coming together, but I'm still a little reluctant to make some of the statements that are coming out in my next book. But can you tell me just from you know saying that that the star seeds would have had to have helped with that? Can you just expound upon that a little bit more? Yes. Well, one of the things that I've discovered through all the the, the training that I've had for over 40 years is that when they planned Jesus's birth. They planned it 500 years ahead of time. They planned, they planned the bloodlines. They planned everyone that was going to participate in teaching him, even to the person that made his shoes, you know, everything. So mm-hmm. knowing that, then I also know that they had in mind other um, expanding, uh, unlimited <laughs> um, star seed assignments that were going to be lined up right after that. So... A lot of beings that go aboard ship and choose to um, come back to the planet, a lot of them choose the bloodlines that they were in before 
or some of the bloodlines that have the activation of the memory of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And okay. there are markings in, in charts that show me the people that are in alignment to this because I've been uh, really tracking two distinct frequencies lately. One is called free will choice and the other one is predestination. And the predestination program seemed to be in alignment with the starseed experiments on the planet. And the free will um, program seems to go for the third dimensional people that aren't quite awake yet. They're just experiencing the things of cause and effect and keeping it pretty simple. Okay. That makes that makes an explanation. Yeah, no, it's really helpful. So I in that regard I'd like to share something um that I haven't really talked about much. When I was in France, um it was a couple of years ago now, I think it was three years ago, before my group started, I had a, a, a day or two at most to myself and I found this little Magdalene chapel on private property in a really magical area in the greater Rennes Chateau area. And uh, uh, we we had to go in, we got permission to go into this chapel. Not many people know about it. Like I said, it's on private property. But as things lined up, I was able to go in there, and it was really a mess. It was old, and it was um, just run down, falling apart. Uh, you know, it, it was a mess. So we cleaned it up for a while, um, this woman who came with me. She and I, we cleaned it up and we cleaned it up and, and I had some essential oil and we used it and then I drummed for a bit and Magdalene came in that channeling and said some very profound things but something she said to me, she's never said before and it was specific to that area. What she said was she used to make passage from La Pique and the meadow outside of Renle Chateau in, in the Valley of God, they call it there, she used to make passage, um, people would help her um, from that area over to Alet Le Ben by the river, another neighboring village, um, where I'm pretty certain they were worshiping the goddess, the great goddess, the great mother. And she said that when she made passage more uh, closely to Alet Le Ben, that she would see the star children in particular, she called them, but they were star people, and they would um, not come out for the regular population to see them. They were much more behind closed doors because they were more light than they were physical frame flesh and bones and so forth, they were more light. And so they would, you know, wear robes more and cover themselves more because they, you know, even then as remote as it was, there were still people who, if they saw them, they would uh, be very nervous, if you will. They would be very um, suspicious. And she talked about them, and I'm saying to myself, why is she telling me this? What is the deeper significance of of planting that seed that in this place there were star beings, specifically star children, more light than physical body, and what were they doing there? And I guess I would ask you, Lavendar, in relation to what you were talking about, the programs and those focusing on bloodlines, would they have been, would those star beings, star children have been part of 
the incarnation into the physical of those bloodlines? Probably so. They probably extended the same kind of, of operation that they did for Jesus. They were planning ahead for the bloodlines that were going to come and, and, and basically tell the truth about what really happened from 2,000 years ago. Okay. See, there's been there's been a lot of discussion upstairs in, in several areas and several dimensions about telling the truth to the people about Christianity. And so a lot of beings have chosen to come back so they can tell the truth, and they'll come back as at, with their starseed lineage and their... Um, rites of passage and their masterships. Wow. They line them up in their physical, they line them up through astrological timing a lot, and that aligns to their bloodlines. The bloodlines and astrological timing combinations is what really makes these programs, these predestination programs, work so well. That's fascinating. Now, one one um, one last question regarding this um, that has come to light. There's a few locations, one in France and one in Eng- England on the Cornwall coast, where I've seen what I would call, um, and this is just my description, it's uh, uh, kind of a light tunnel, and I see it as like a portal or a light tunnel, and it's in these certain places where there's lots of sacred or harmonic geometry and other characteristics within within the earth herself, and it's like a migration of souls that come in. Is that, because I've been seeing that for, again, about three years now, is that the way in which star seeds enter in, in these certain places of more, high vibration so that they can slowly acclimate to physicality? Yes, you're, you're right on. In fact, um, I was uh, given some insight to how it all happens. They all sit with genetic engineer scientists and go through the bloodlines that they want to reincarnate into in order to maintain the integrity of what was placed in the first place. They go back to the original. In fact, they have the bloodlines in vials up on the ships, and they will actually give the person a shot once they get to the planet in a body. They'll come along and give them a shot of that bloodline, and that bloodline will then be activated at certain times through astrological timing. I know it gets pretty pretty far out there like science, science fiction, but that's Oh, no, truth. I totally get I, I get what you're saying. I've seen it over and over and over again. Um, and you, you actually just answered a question of mine, and I I don't know if I should talk about this, but I think I'm just going to do it just for the heck of it because you're making it so clear to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question or just it just express this because what you just talked about of having bloodline uh, lineage or genetic material on the ships with certain bloodlines, this is a question that has haunted me for decades. Um, you may or may not recall that I was born in Roswell, New Mexico, uh, on an Air Force base. Um, my father was, um, a, you know, a career man in the Air Force, and um, I was born in Roswell at a time where I've been told of genetic engineering was taking place, in particular, with the female population. Now, it could be true. It could not be true. I don't know, but I just don't. It certainly would explain my life in some way 
if what you just said about that was actually somehow infused within me, it would explain some of the bizarre reactions my mother had early on to me and to to Roswell and and and, and birthing me. Um, it would also explain the astrological or uh, the the trigger points that you talk about that are astrologically coded to pour forth or awaken the DNA further. Um, anything you could add to that specifically? Well, um, one of the yeah, things that, that that I have realized uh, through all of all of this uh, training is that. Anything is possible. And once I got to look at some of the records of what Jesus did, those 12 years that he went missing, okay, mm-hmm. one of the things I found was they put him in a scout ship, they dropped him off all over the planet, and he impregnated a lot of women. So 2,000 years later, his bloodline is all over the planet. So when people say Jesus is coming back, he's already here. Right, right. So I get that. with that being said, now we have the genetic experiments from the ship that want to enhance the people on the planet that have the Jesus bloodline. Okay. They enhance it. They 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 put it in what we call remembrance. Here, remember this. Here, remember oh, to- this. And that's oh, what I, I totally understand that. I, yeah, I say that all the time. I talk about the memory. Ah. Yeah, I mean, in my trilogy, Magdalene talks and says that we are wired for full remembrance. Right, and the people that I I have found a group of of beings that actually do carry the bloodline of of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. I've also found a group that has memories of that, but don't have the bloodline, but they have the strong memories, and some of them are so strong they think they are them. Okay, right? <laughs> they think they right, are. Right, I get that. Yep. Yeah, I know. Sometimes that's hard to distinguish for it's people. It's very hard. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I and I I've talked about this before, but um Jesus, you know, started speaking to me from the spirit realm when I was 9 years old. So obviously something was going on very early on and you know, my family was not supportive of that. They felt that that was way out of line even though we were, you know, being raised Catholic. They just felt that that was just too weird and basically told me not to really talk about it again. So that relationship, just like the esoteric stream, went underground, and I kept the relationship going because that's what I felt was what I wanted to do. Uh, but I never spoke about <laughs> it for years and years and years because I, at that time, especially when I was that young, you know, I just felt they're going to lock me up. But you had to be who you are, you know? Yeah. Had to be yeah, so are. when it was time, you know, that was always with me. But when it was time, it uh, it, it came about in, in, in its own way, in its own, um, its, old unfold, its own unfoldment. And I just continue to embrace it now because now I feel like the fruit of the labor has finally come. And uh, another thing I'd like to share with you that I just found out recently in this past year is that everyone that signed the Declaration of Independence had either memory of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, the truth, or they were holding the bloodline, or both. Mm-hmm. Signature on that page. You know, I love that you say that because, in the again, in the channelings that I've, I've channeled, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, 
uh, George Washington, and the things that they have told me support what you're saying. And I've been reluctant to really go there because once I do, you know, there's going to be no holding back. And I guess, I guess it's time now for me to finally do that. But So I thank you for that because that is exactly what they told me. And, and you know, I'm as much as I feel that there's accuracy that comes through in my channeling, I still question and can be skeptical. Maybe it's a healthy skepticism, but I really test and I really wait to see, is this accurate? Because these are bold statements, you know, that I'm making and I want to be able to have some kind of foundation with what I'm hearing. I like that balance of the left and the right brain and it, it is now coming. So thank you for that validation as well. So this, like I said, if they plan, plan Jesus' birth 500 years before he came, so don't you think that they planned a long time, the bloodlines that would have to sign a piece of paper to make our country the, the country of freedom? Oh, it's so true. And, I'm, you know, I'm I'm finishing up some research. I'll be at the Newport Tower in Newport, Rhode Island on the uh, winter solstice again. And uh, I'm meeting with a group of people, and um, I have been doing some research to catch up with some deeper uh, details. Uh, and one of the things they keep saying in this particular book, America, Nation of the Goddess, is that and I've seen it in other books, and I have felt it too, that the whoever these people are, like you, and, and I think you're answering the question for me, who who they truly are, is is kind of what I thought. They've they've had incredible, almost eternal patience. Like you said, if they could spend 500 years planning for the birth of Jesus, look what they look at the time that they could spend finding and creating the new Atlantis, the new Jerusalem. Uh, and, and, you know, the patience is just unbelievable. And I thought, you know, they, they have to be almost eternal. And also think about how they went up to the Iroquois Indians and talked to the women to get the basic language that was written for our Constitution. Yes. But yeah. unfortunately, our our uh, European white males that did that, I mean, the, the Iroquois asked them, where are your women and the way that the women were integrated into the Iroquois Confederacy, as opposed to what happened in our founding, um, in our founders and the documents and the way things played out, is that the women weren't um, as included as they should have been. I guess they did. They did. Uh, they did eliminate that when they when they spoke with the Iroquois. But the cosmic joke was that the Iroquois women actually gave them the language anyway to use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 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 wild. Oh, I I love this. This is very very interesting. Well, I'm looking at the time, so um, I know at this time uh, Ariel is, has the switchboard, and maybe there's some people that would like to call in and and chat with you a bit. So at this time, I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel, and to thank you so much, Gloria, for all the work that you've been doing and, and that you're going to do. So don't hold anything back anymore, girl. It's time, it's time to let it all rip. Okay, just let it rip. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that, Lavendar, really. You know, I shoot from the hip, and I'm, I'm shooting a star toward you to tell the okay. truth about everything you know. I will. Even tell I the will. truth thank about you. the things you don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 So back to you, Ariel. 
Okay. Wow. Gloria, I've just been fascinated on the edge of my seat. What a journey. Uh, and I'm just so thrilled that you're able to be here with us tonight. Um, oh, I look I, forward I to we, it. I really do. Oh, I, I think we, we may have a, a, a few people with questions. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, let me just, before I start opening up the switchboard here, just let the people know who are listening. If you're already on the switchboard, then and if you have a question, just press 1, and then we'll know you want to ask a question. And if you're listening on the computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And uh, uh, our producers, uh, Kathy and Jada, will get you lined up to talk to Gloria. So um, we do have a person that's ready to go. Her name is Jessica. So um, just open up the mic. Hi, Jessica. You're on the air with Gloria Amendola. Go ahead with your question. Hi. So I have been trying to separate from my ex for quite some time, and I'm meditating. I'm doing everything that I should do. And it just seems like, and I keep trying to cancel my contract and saying I have fulfilled my contract with him, and it just seems like he's out of control and is on a I'm not going to stop situation. So I was wondering if you could help me figure out how to get him to say, okay, enough is enough. Well, I tell a lot of people that I've worked with uh, through the years and, and do it myself, I ask to be shown what really is standing in my way because although sometimes I or people I work with, we, we feel like we've cut the cords or the harm is complete or we, we've worked through things, um, but in fact there's a piece, there's a bit, there's a blind spot we may not see. And until we surrender fully to that, sometimes these situations persist. I, in particular, call on Magdalene to show me the unresolved emotions. She's a master of clearing the emotional body. Um, and, And I think that if you perhaps can call on her specifically and ask what... Uh, what impulses, what charges in the emotional body might be there that you just haven't fully seen yet or fully surrendered to? Because when we do, situations truly do end by vibration alone. And believe me, me and many people I know who've done work for years, sometimes it's just uh, it's just that lost puzzle piece that's deep within that we've got to go and really dig out and really surrender to. Well, is it possible that, like, I could be doing my work, but it's just not, he's not, it's just, I feel like all I do is I meditate and I do my work, I do my work, and he's just completely out of control. And I, it's like, it's almost, I, I can't control him. He's another human being. He's another entity. I can only control myself, and I recognize that, and I realize that. However, it seems like no matter how much I do, there, I, it's not enough because he's out of control. Well, again, I would, you know, by the laws of metaphysics, by by vibration alone, when things are truly resolved, the karmic charge tends to fall away. 
in situations like you're describing, sometimes there's either a piece of unresolved karma or just something that hasn't come to light yet. So when I find that I am in this position, I go deep with Magdalene. I call in Archangel Michael, Mother Mary, uh, Yeshua, the Essenes, um, others that I work with, and I really, really ask for me to be able to really surrender to what I need to see that I just may not be seeing and really just allow it. Be, and that's the only thing I can say. Um, I, I don't know what else to really say. You, you, like you said, you can't control him, but you can change your own vibration and you can complete your own lessons. And sometimes it's just a piece we just don't, maybe it just doesn't make itself known until it's ready. And okay. you, you've just got to stay the course. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. So um, I think that's the only question that we have for now. But um, I wanted to, to ask you if you um, you had such a wonderful message um, from Mary Magdalene last year. Uh, and I think it's still it's still valid. Do you have a copy of that that you can I put do, and I can, I can send it to you. But I tapped into. I asked Magdalene today, was there something further she wanted to share, and she has a uh, a new message. Oh, oh, better still. Yeah, better and it still. builds on it. It builds on the one from last year. Um, it, you know, there's, there are things that build on it, but I, I would like to share it and read it if that's what you want me to do right now. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, that would be wonderful. Okay. And I can send this to you as well, Ariel. Uh, so you have Excellent. both of them. Um, Excellent. So she said in her last transmission, and she's referring to a short transmission that she gave me I don't know, within the last month, I'd say. And it's on my website. You can read it on my blog. Um, again, it's very short. This one's longer. but um, So that's what she's referring to. So Magdalene says, In my last transmission, I spoke of a tipping point in your world at this time. I wish to say more and make my words clear for you. For many years, you have experienced different degrees of awakening you have taken your time to unravel history and mystery, to bring your awareness back in time to reimagine your ancestors, including me. I thank you for the courage and fortitude it has taken to shake up your deeply held beliefs and embrace a radically different truth, the truth of my story, of the story of my beloved Yeshua, and the story of what has been done to our descendants throughout the ages. Many of you now understand we were a hunted people, but many of you are not you are yet to comprehend why we were hunted down and killed by the foot soldiers of the Vatican. They have much blood on their hands and it will finally seep into your world for all to see now. The tides have turned, and their heinous acts will finally be exposed in their entirety. You see, the tipping point is upon you, upon all of us, in all realms. 
We do not know how things will unfold because there are many variables in the making. Yet we tell you to know where you stand. It is time for your heart to be filled with the love and compassion that comes from living the teachings of my beloved and from the ancient wisdom of the goddess. So what is the tipping point and what does it mean for your world Tipping points come and go, this one will be no different. When the tension of opposites forces a breaking point, the sky will open, the waters of creation will flow freely once again, and the natural world will show its authority. This is not a time to have your head in the clouds without your feet firmly planted on the ground. That is why, now more than ever, know thyself. There is much turmoil happening behind the scenes of what you see being projected into your world. Know that great forces are at play. There are those that want peace and prosperity, equality and harmony for this world and its people. There are others who want destruction and chaos, suffering and repression. And in this process of opposites clashing, A new pathway is emerging for you to walk upon. It is the pathway of the union of opposites. Some call this oneness. In my day and time, we called it balance. And it began with each of us doing the great work. I see so much light in your world, so many acts of kindness. Yeshua and I know in our hearts that you represent the children of light prophesied to return now. We applaud your bravery to be peacemakers at a time of great resistance and change. We smile with delight for the truth you are uncovering in your commitment to the planetary mission. We are with you standing tall, standing strong. We love and support you from the heavenly realms. Know that you are the movers and shakers in your world at this time because you move and shake from within. That is why you have come again. Shine thy light from your hearts and allow the sacred breath of the Creator to carry you forward. Wow. Thank you so much for that. It's a message that is so much, uh, so so needed at this time. I will wow. definitely send it for you to to post when you can, when you are able. And I'll tell you, when I was listening, I was saying to Lavendar when I was listening to um, Anastasia's report on all the different things with the Earth, um, rivers, storms, mountains, you know, volcanoes, all of it. And some of what she was saying, like I knew it was probably hard for people to listen to, at to, you know, sometimes it is, but Magdalene is talking about this tipping point, and she is talking about the earth expressing itself. So I thought, wow, here we go. We have this synchronicity again uh, with uh-huh. this message, you know, and uh, we just have to, we have to keep speaking these words. And yet she's saying that we are the children 
of light that were prophesized to return now, and and we know what to do, and we are being peacemakers, and we are, you know, uncovering the truth, and we are supported. That is just such a a beautiful message, sentiment, um, excellent um, direction, and uh, we're very grateful and I certainly will. I loved when she was talking about the pathway of the union of opposites. When I was channeling this, she, you know, I'm I'm trying to hear what she's saying, and you know, the union of opposites. Some call this oneness, and then she says, in my day and time, we called it balance. And I started, <laughs> I started to laugh because I thought, wow, like I don't know what word I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting balance, but it makes total sense. Right. Right, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, think about think about when the tires on your car are out of balance. It's a rough ride. It sure <laughs> so, is. That's a great yeah. analogy. <clears throat> so yeah, you you know, got to have balance if you want a smooth ride. Well, um, I think you, well, you know, know, I think we all know that the feminine being repressed, written out of history, scorned, mocked ridiculed, sexually oppressed, and all that has come down upon her. As she rises now in the cycles of time, you know, we we know that that balance is so desperately needed, so she must rise with a force to begin to really stamp out the patriarchy. You know, the the patriarchy is done. It, it, we cannot sustain ourselves on this planet with the patriarchy. It's done. Or we're done, Right. Right, right. Well, I mean, the earth will go on with or without us, you know, and those who are aligned, connected, living in balance and um, uh, respect for Mother Earth, they can stay. (laughs) Well, the prophecies, they do, the indigenous prophecies talk about that. And also, too, one of the things that I learned um, in particular I didn't get a chance to really discuss this with Lavendar because we went off on some interesting detours that made a lot of sense to me. Um, that this, when when Magdalene talks about you know the teachings of her beloved of Yeshua, and from also learning the ancient wisdom of the goddess, one of the things that I learned really in France and Scotland in particular was that the matriarchy because we were looking at Grandmother Anna, the the grandmother of Jesus, the mother of Mary. We were looking, to me, she was the matriarch, right? And the matriarchy is not about women having power over men. It's about the balance between the two and the reverence for nature and harmony in, in, in the cycles. You know, that's 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 when i say those words i can breathe i can find expansion just even in my breath you know i can take a breath and blow it out and feel relief if if nothing else in these stressful times um so when we were in scotland just to, just to make it really like real on the face of the earth here we were looking for the trail of grandmother anna and how jesus and his clan may have moved through Iona and the Isle of Mull and 
Fortingal and um, uh, the highlands of Scotland, all the way to the island of Skye. And when we got to the area where it's believed Anna's clan lived, it was, lo and behold, a place filled with Neolithic structures, stone circles, and reverence for the great mother goddess. Wow. So the matriarch of Anna was showing us the matriarchy and this beautiful area that's considered the heart center uh, between Fortingal and Mount Chihalion, a crystal mountain, uh, very much working on the hearts of people and that, that carrying that massive grand energy in the land there. We found that it really matched up with the ancient cultures and there were so many stone circles and things there, there that are being uncovered, you know, as we speak of different chambers within stone circles and the fertility of the land and their understanding of that balance in the great goddess. It's just, it's so beautiful to be immersed in those lands and it's really stunning to understand that when, like Lavendar was talking about the bloodlines, like how that bloodline ran through the story of Jesus, Mary, Anna, Joseph, Magdalene, all of it. Um, and, and what a reverence that they really did have for that balance and that harmony and the feminine, the feminine wisdom. Right. And, you know, I mean, the feminine exists in men just as the mm-hmm. masculine exists in women. But we've all been programmed, for the most part, to, um, to repress one side. Well, we've so, been forced in duality, to duality well, yeah. thing. You know that oh we're in 3D and everything is a dual nature and and that may be true to a point, but in the temples of Egypt and certainly I believe Magdalene knew um, that you were working to uh, the great work was about really taking the left brain and the right brain the feminine and the masculine and allowing it to merge you know that's Isis and Osiris and then the Horus child allowing that new birth to happen that isn't really separated out and dualistic, but is integrated and holistic. I believe that's where we're going, but getting there is it's proving to be a bumpy ride because those in power and those of the patriarchy, they're going down with a fight. They're not giving up their power easily. Well... (laughs) they can they can struggle and resist all they want but this is this is the way this is the way the earth is going and the earth is the way the earth is going yeah i mean we have to go with the earth <laughs> you know if those energies change if they ascend if they carry more light then so must we so that's true and that's why in the last paragraph of this message when magdalene's talking about the love and support we have from the heavenly realm. She says, know that you are the movers and shakers in your world at this time because you move and shake from within. That tells me, she's saying, those who have embarked on the alchemical pathway of initiation, who have done it in their way to merge their consciousness and leap forward in this way, you are the ones who are holding the power because that's 
what's in play now. And that's our power as people. That's our creative self. And the more we can keep remembering that, the the better off we'll be in these times because if we look at just what television or worldly standards show us that we must have to be this powerful person, we would say, huh, you know, wow, are we deluding ourselves? But yet she is saying, you know, we we will move and shake from within and we are a force to be reckoned with. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the manifestational um, energies that we all possess, you know, and that comes from inside. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if you can hold the vision energetically, if enough people do that, then it then it manifests. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in your in your own life, you know, things personal things, but as a species, if enough people would hold that vision, we could speed it up a little bit. Yeah, I well, you know, I think in the cycles of time. We are moving at breakneck speed. I mean, we are moving quickly, but you know, in our in our world, we we think these things happen. You know, we get impatient. We want them to happen overnight, but really, in in the cycle of change, it, it's really happening very quickly. Oh, it sure is. You know, I mean, but in our you know in our human minds, it's like, oh dear God. But when she says, "I see so much light in your world, so many acts of kindness." Yeshua and I know in our hearts that you represent the children of light prophesied to return now. And when Lavendar was talking about, you know, the different lineages that were interspersed throughout the earth and, and how they would grow and and multiply and carry this Christ consciousness, if you will. We could call it other things, love, compassion. Um, but also... Um, I think an advanced genetic um, code that gets activated in our bodies when we allow this merge to take place, it makes us more intuitive. It makes us smarter. It makes us more alive. It's part of our human potential that get literally, I believe, when you do this great work and what the initiates in the mystery schools and throughout time have always known is that these in these abilities and I believe you were saying this too, Ariel, they become enhanced. Right. And so that gives us abilities that a lot of people still aren't believing they have, but we're all wired for it. Yeah, as you were as you were talking about about timing and and I mean things that are that are set to to go off but in a sequence of events and that they would be triggered by um astronomical astrological energies. And mm-hmm. um I thought you know there's stuff going on right now. Um Chiron the, the the asteroid Chiron is at galactic degree in Pisces, which is the mark of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And Chiron is is the they call it the the wounded healer, or the teacher, yeah. and and um, also the north and south nodes right now are at the marks of the crystal grid, 
and the electromagnetic ley lines, very, you know, galactic degree in Capricorn and Cancer. So there's, mm-hmm. there's that connection, you know, with the Earth. And, mm-hmm. and Venus, Venus, as we speak, is at the mark of the healer in Scorpio. And there's the alchemical um, uh, transmutation mm-hmm. of healing of the feminine. And, wow, isn't that, yeah. it's so beautiful, the dance of the heavens, uh, it, it is so beautiful when, when we really understand our connectedness to the stars and and to every, to all the elements, and that, that dance tells us so much of what we need to know. Okay, I know, yeah, and, and the, the the cherry on top is that today the sun is at galactic degree in Sagittarius. And that's the highest frequency of truth. Wow. So, so yeah, when I, I was like, she were talking, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I, that's where the North Node is. Oh, that's where Chiron Oh, that's where this is. It's like, it's like okay, well, I'm just going to get the chart up here, and, and we'll go ahead and talk about it. Because look at these alignments. That, I mean, well, you can't see them, but, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the stars, the, the, the planets are helping to um, fuel and and they're they're the triggers it's it's like okay we've been waiting a long time for these planets to get in this position and then there's like a a catalyst so uh, you're that's fantastic can you repeat again i don't know if it's this day december 18th you were saying uh something is in sagittarius something about the highest frequency of truth can can you expand on that a little bit more yeah, the, the sun um, today is at galactic degree in Sagittarius. And every month, roughly between the 15th and the 20th, those are the galactic days. Sometimes it's okay. more like, you know, 16 to 19. Sometimes it's more 15 to 18, just because, the, you know, the months are not symmetrical. But right now it's, it's at the mark of galactic center, which is the highest frequency of truth, freedom, justice, the higher spirituality, the higher mind. It is the seeker of the high, you know, formerly esoteric um, knowledge. And, um, and it's, it's also called the mark of galactic center. So all the, all the species, all the federation, all the, the, the benevolent allies um, of extraterrestrial species are all connected, like this is the hub of the wheel, and then it goes out, all the spokes go out to all the different places. So this is a, a extremely powerful day. Wow. Wow. Wow, yeah, thanks connected. for that. It's, it, it, it's just so validating. I mean, I felt that in real time um, being, and I know this has happened to us before, there have been interesting alignments on the dates when we connect and we share and we discuss and, and, and Magdalene gives her messages and so forth. It's um, you, I feel like on air, like there's connections being made in real time. And I have to go back and listen because it's like, wow, yeah, I get that. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. you hear things, it doesn't click. And then other times, and we've we've had that uh, synergy on the on the doing the show before, and you know, time of year, all of it, all of it combined, all of us, 
the listening uh, audience that you have, the vibration, the frequency. It's. Um, I know that for so many, it is a difficult time. I don't. I don't um, disregard that at all. But we are stepping into such light at this time as well. It's you know, it's that tension of opposites. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And here we are. Right. And right. here we are. But staying connected to the earth is key at this time. That's why when she said, um, I don't know if I've ever heard her say this before, this is not a time to have your head in the clouds without your feet firmly planted on the ground. That is why now the, now more than ever, know thyself. That's that's so profound. Yeah, and and you know, and and that's that is a a good a good message for our starseed audience because staying grounded is is something that a lot of us have to really you know make a concerted effort because our natural state is kind of you know like the the helium balloon floating away in the sky, um, mm. and and staying grounded is um, is so important especially for starseeds to yeah to and i think traction. there's a deeper meaning in this statement as well as the obvious of staying grounded is that stay connected to the earth because the to me there's a lot of false information and agendas happening on the internet and social media and via communication networks if you will um, it's not all bad, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, but there's there's distortion and agenda behind some things that look convincing at first glance. And I have, I'm asked this question a lot, and, and I also do it for myself, is that when I really want a direct hit as to what's going on, I work with Magdalene and others, but I also get connected into the earth. I need to, you know, breathe in the salt air of the ocean. I need to be in the woods. I need to hear the sound of trickling water. I need to, you know, get my 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 toes in the soil uh, and the sand because those messages, in my opinion, are not corrupted, especially when you're in nature by the ocean, in the woods, hiking, whatever. Like there's a harmony there that by the Fibonacci spiral itself really I don't think can be corrupted. And that's where some of the truest messages are coming from at this time. So <laughs> the, the, one of the messages is, you know, go outside, connect with the earth, you know, uh, put your back up against a tree, give thanks to Mother Earth itself for the energies that she offers us. Um, and the message is she's, she's a living, breathing being. She has something to say, and, and I think she knows very well what is happening and what is coming. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's something I want to share with you. I don't know how much time we have left well, on the air. Well, we have we have a few minutes. Okay. I would like to share this with you, especially so – that if I give you and Lavendar a little bit more time to look at it, maybe we can have a conversation about it in a little more depth. Um, maybe we'll do something around that time. I don't know, whatever, but I feel compelled to share. When I was uh, in France this year, I was trying to finish a book called Rosslyn, Secrets of the Guardians of the Holy Grail, something like that. 
and it was written by my dear elder friend, uh, Timos Murphy. And I thought I had read it cover to cover years ago, but I don't think I did. I think I read a chapter here, a chapter there. And so I was bound and determined to read it cover to cover because we were going to Rosslyn Chapel where I was knighted uh, in 2007. And I've been there a few times, but I really wanted to refresh my memory. And in doing so, I kept getting closer and closer and closer to the very end. And I think when I was flying from France to Edinburgh in Scotland, I was on the last few pages. And what happened was, and and if I could just share the premise, there's much that is said in this book, and it's well worth the read. But one of the things that Tim um, illustrates in his book is the seven major chakras are represented uh, in seven major cathedrals, beginning from Santiago de Compostela in Spain, all the way to Rosslyn Chapel in Scotland. And five of them are, of course, in France. And what they posit, what they suggest, is that each, where the Templars, because they were, well, they weren't all Templar-related, but many were, where whomever was in the know placed these uh, great cathedrals, uh, one's a church in Toulouse with a black Madonna, I don't think it's called a cathedral, but most of them are, Notre Dame, Chartres, Amiens, Rosslyn as well, it's a it's a chapel, but nonetheless, they were placed on planetary oracle sites that the Druids used. So again, the placing of these churches, chapels, or great cathedrals on these Druidic planetary oracle sites. And of course, in ancient Egypt, along the Nile, you had the placement of this of seven or so temples that represented the seven major chakras where you would learn the lessons of the root chakra and then carry on to the lessons of, of the sacral chakra and on and on. So I'm reading this and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was writing of some of the specifics of the Egyptian initiation. And I thought, oh, this is cool. And he said, you know, when we were finishing up, we wondered if there could actually be a date that corresponded with an alignment connected to these seven major churches, chapel, cathedrals, connected to the Druidic planetary oracle sites, like Rosslyn, I think, was a planetary oracle site for Saturn. Um, could there be a date that aligns to to the to the mapping of these where there's a heaven and earth match, there's a click, there's a lineup? And they didn't know if that was even possible, but somehow the question arose, and they thought before they concluded the project and the book that they would at least look into that. And so as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, okay, this is very, very interesting, but they're probably going to talk about a date that's already passed. And to my surprise, they said the alignment they found was going to take place on July 28th, 2019. Oh. Okay, that gave me chills. So maybe if you feel that it's something you want to look into a little bit more, I can, you you and I or you and I and and Lavendar can have a a three-way conversation. I can give you the exact language and we could see how we feel about it. But it is 
they went to great lengths to look at this, and so I think it bears more examination because things really are um, culminating. Oh, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's another puzzle that you didn't even know you were working on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. You think about it and let me let me know or yeah. you know, whatever and then, you and feel. Then, and then I, I mean, I have to say then, okay, who was talking to them? How right. did they, you know, how did they, you know, choose these places? How, you, you, you know, and people thousands of years ago, um, they must have had some kind of, you know, divine intervention or or channeling um, directives. You know, be, I, I mean, it just seems to oh, me that there absolutely. had to be, yeah, yeah, there had to be some much bigger um, energy. Well, the Druids were masters. Um, you know, it took 20 years to become a Druid. They were very learned people. Um, I would imagine by the time that they finished or completed that training that they could tap in they they knew so much of how to raise the energies in the earth and connect with the heavens that they had to be communicating they had to be i mean i do it we many of us do it you know of course they they were very learned people yeah yeah they must have yeah they must have and had so some i think i think the later influence. you know putting putting the churches, chapels, or the great cathedrals on these lines in Europe, I think the Templars found information that was ancient, and they resurrected it. Ah. So they knew that they had come across some very significant and ancient information, and they were reconstructing it right under the nose of the church at the time in which they came to power. Uh, it's a fascinating story. So, again, I leave, I leave you and, and, and your listeners with, you know, that date. It could be, it could be a fantastic thing. Right. Well, we'll, we'll certainly have to get together, the, the three of us, and, uh, um, and talk about this some more. And yeah. you know, maybe you could maybe you could come back when it's not Christmas time and talk about oh, that. Oh, I love uh, I love chatting with you guys. Yes, I'd be happy to yeah. come back. Yeah. So well, it's just it's just become such a um, wonderful tradition to have um, you and your information and understanding and your work um, right before the Christmas holiday, even though. Um, that Jesus wasn't born in December, as most people um, have stated. But the light returns. Pardon? But the light returns. The light returns. You know, returns. at Christmas time, though, symbolically, the light returns, and it's we know it's connected to the earth. Right, right. But I just want to thank you so much for uh, sharing this special time with us, with our audience, and I will... Um, Look forward to getting a copy of Mary Magdalene's um, words, and I will put that on our forum as I did with the message from last year. Okay, and, excellent. Yeah, and and last year's message is is very very strong as well. So if you um, if you are a member of our forum, 
um, you can you can look that up, and I'll put the new one up there as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ariel. Oh, you're so welcome. We just love you, Gloria. And one more time, oh, I want to let everyone know um, your website is Gloria-Amendola, and that is spelled A-M-E-N, like amen, and Dola, D-O-L-A, Gloria-Amendola.com. And you've got blogs, you've got pictures, you've got all kinds of stuff there. So everyone check out the website, and certainly your trilogy, Mary Magdalene, Revelations from a First Century Avatar, um, if you are interested in learning more about Mary Magdalene and her continuing work, um, pick up the trilogy. And as long as we're talking about your books, you also have two more, the Tower um, series. And, I do. Um, what is it? Um, I, 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 don't, I can't remember the subtitles, but there are two Tower books. That's okay. Yeah, they're they're all there. They're on the writing tab. Everything's there, um, pretty much uh, spelled out, and you can get them on Amazon. And I know I've said this before. Um, I I have many um, new books started. Um, I don't. They don't ever come out till they're really meant to come out, and I can see why they haven't till now because of all the further understanding that's come in. But I do believe that 2019 will be one of those years of writing for me because uh, it takes a lot of focus to do all that. But anyway, I'm excited about it, and they'll come out sooner rather than not because they're already in progress. It's just a matter of, of finishing them. So, again, I thank you for, for your support, and um, I think it's highly possible that we might uh, be connecting earlier in 2019 because of some things that um, that are out there that I think are going to be quite interesting. And, you know, that date might be one of them. We'll see. We'll find out. Okay. Well, certainly um, if you have something that you think that's like, oh, you know, the Starseed audience needs to know this, you don't have to wait until Christmas <laughs> to come okay. on. So certainly okay. at any time, you're always welcome. All right. Okay, Ariel. thanks so much, and okay. have a nice holiday season. Absolutely, and the same to you. And uh, for everyone listening, have a joyous holiday, and, and let that continue after the first of the year. Keep it up. So every day find something to be grateful for and show compassion to someone. So we'll be back um, the first Tuesday after the new year. Until then... Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 